Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. What reports on the Viers website are revealing? Viers, by the way, for anyone who's not familiar with that, it is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. If someone has been injured or, God forbid, died from a vaccine, this is the place to report these adverse events. And I want to tell you all that it is not popular what I am doing I realize that there may be many people who are upset that I am covering the topic of what is happening today that goes against the mainstream narrative of what the news media, the big media outlets outlets are feeding you, what your government is mandating you to do. It's not popular. So why am I doing this? Why am I making myself unpopular, especially when the majority of the people, in the, at least in the Western world, probably have already gotten at least one or two vaccines, uh, or I should say uh, the, these mRNA shots. And they don't want to hear about this, and they believe everything that they're told. And believe me, I wish, I wish that I could trust my government, which are basically people that we elected into office so they could be corrupted, unfortunately and sadly. But I wish I could trust them. I want to so much love our leadership in America, in Israel, wherever we are in the world. I want to say, wow, what great people. What a great government worried about their people. But if something like this is happening, where you are told what to put in your body, where you have no bodily autonomy, you have no bodily sovereignty, and now they're telling you your kids are next, five years old and up, and after that, most likely, they're saying that it's going to be from infancy and perhaps even before, maybe even in vitro, who knows? No one in the big media is talking about this. They're not giving it airtime, and so I'm forced to do it. I want to give you the information so you have both sides of an issue and you can make your own decision. So we're going to do that today. What the reports on the Viers website, people like you who posted it there, are revealing. We'll be right back. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Right, we are back here at the Tamar Iona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. 
And as I said in the beginning of the show, it's not popular what I'm doing right now, which is covering the other side of the issue, the other side of the narrative that we're hearing daily from the new, the big news outlets from our government. It's safe and effective, safe and effective. Take the vaccine, get your green pass, be able to go back to normal. This is what they dangle in front of us in order to try to get us to take these vaccines that are an experiment. And in fact, they're not even vaccines. They are, this is an experimental therapy using mRNA and we don't have long-term data about it. And now it has just begun in the United States and Israel is following in this in that they are going to, they are now vaccine or they should say they're giving this shot to five-year-olds Five-year-olds who haven't even had a chance to develop their organs, their sexual uh, reproductive organs haven't matured yet. Uh, Other organs in their body haven't. And we don't have long-term data of the effects of what this concoction is. And again, I am not uh, someone who is a conspiracy theorist. I'm a thinker thinking, what are we putting in our bodies? Do we need it? And uh, how, what, what are the uh, effects of it? So here to tell us more, we have Dr. Jessica Rose. She's a Canadian researcher with a bachelor's degree in applied mathematics and a master's degree in immunology from Memorial University of Newfoundland. She holds a PhD in computational biology from Bar-Ilan University, and two postdoctoral degrees, one in molecular biology from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and one in biochemistry from the Technion Institute of Technology. That's up in Haifa. She was also accepted for a two-month program as a senior researcher at the Weizmann Institute prior to completion of her last or her latest postdoctoral degree at the Technion. Her more recent research efforts are aimed at descriptive analysis of the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, or VAERS, and, uh, and the data there. And she does this in efforts to make the data accessible to the public. So, in other words, she's very smart, she has the data, and we want to listen to her. So welcome to the show, Dr. Jessica Rose. Thanks so much for having me. It's very, very good to have you on. So uh, we uh, are seeing now our children uh, going up to get this vaccine. We don't have the long-term data. You've done a lot of research on this. You've done articles, I understand, with Dr. McCullough. And uh, you, I, I'm just the first question I want to ask you is, how did you get into this? Um, well, based on my background, uh, my fascination with viruses and my, my cancelled plans to become a professional longboarder in Australia, <laughs> um, this, the, the pandemic was declared shortly, uh, or basically at the exact moment I was supposed to go to Australia, um, but based on these things, I, I needed to find something constructive to do in all of this. Uh, and I predicted that we were probably going to be seeing um, a lot of reports being entered in, in, in the context of adverse events in the context of these products. Um, 
So I endeavored to teach myself how to use R, and the data set that I chose was the VAERS uh, data set, and this is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System from the United States. It's a government data set, uh, database. Um, and as I predicted, the, the data became very interesting uh, and very plentiful very quickly. And what, what did you find? Well, I'd like to respond to your um, bringing up the 5 to 11-year-olds because uh, the most recent thing that I found in VAERS is that of the, first of all, in the United States, people might not know this, but uh, only after about two weeks of rolling these products into 5 to 11-year-old children, over a million children have been injected. And what I found when I looked at uh, a potential temporal association between the reported adverse events for this age group and their injection date was that 82%, this is a very, very high number or percentage, of the reports were made immediately. I'm talking anaphylaxis type immediate, but these aren't anaphylaxis reports. These are other kinds of reports, including death and blindness. Uh, this should scare everyone because there are two things here that must, must be taken into consideration by the owners of the data, which are the FDA and the CDC. One is that this, that a lot, thousands, perhaps if you account for the underreporting factor, hundreds of thousands of reports have been filed to VAERS for children aged five through 11 in two weeks, and that the nature of the adverse events are being, they're either severe, let's put it this way, they're severe enough to be reported immediately. So that's what I found in the five to 11 year olds. And I know that there are some places around the world that haven't, decided to impose this on their children yet. So for anyone who's listening, who still lives in a place where they're not doing this yet, I encourage you to call your mayor or governor or, or representative, whoever you can find, and let them know what I'm saying right now. These are very, very clear and strong safety signal warnings which is what VAERS is designed to do. It's a pharmacovigilance tool designed to detect uh, safety signals that were not detected in pre-market testing. And on that subject, the so-called pre-market testing for these children was beyond lamentable. They barely tested 2,000 children and the, the reports were not good. So I'm not going to focus on that, but that's what I found most recently. Okay. Just I want, for everyone's... In, mm? I just wanted to get something clear. So you're saying that within uh, almost a day, 80% of the reports came in like a day later? Is that what you were saying? No, I'm saying that of all the adverse event reports made to VAERS for children aged 5 through 11... They were made immediately, which means if you can imagine this, 
I'm not sure who the parents are uh, who are bringing these million children in to get injected with these experimental products, but let's assume they're normal parents who are who believe that these products are safe and effective because that's what the told. mantra that we're all being forced to hear every day. And they go in with their child, their child gets injected, and let's say within like you're, I think you're supposed to wait around for 15 to 30 minutes to make sure there's no anaphylaxis event occurrence. Correct. But let's say that the child has whatever adverse event that, that they have occur within an hour or two. It occurs within a 24-hour time frame. So that's what I mean. That is, in my opinion, that is absolutely 100% proof of causation. We don't, we can't really say that this is proof of causation, but in my opinion, that's a causative effect right there. You inject someone, they react. And this so is that's I, what's happening in these children. Yeah, I just want to make it clear for our listeners that the, uh, she's talking about children in the United States. This hasn't happened yet here in Israel. I hope it doesn't happen, but kids are kids everywhere. So I, I want to understand here also, you said that most of the reports were uh, about an, uh, anaphylaxis, you said? Uh, no, none of them. That Well, I, I can't say none, but no. Um my comparison to anaphylaxis is based on um, based on a temporal profile that uh, that is that was unique to anaphylaxis. I use anaphylaxis as a an internal control to kind of help people understand what I'm doing here when I look at the temporal um, relationship. So you have your injection date, uh, which is listed in VAERS, and then you have your onset of adverse event date. So in the context of anaphylaxis, for those of you who don't know, anaphylaxis is an acute reaction to a trigger. So you would expect that if somebody had an anaphylactic reaction, that that would be reported if they did report it, and you think they would because they'd probably still be in the office where they got injected immediately. So you would see a high percentage of reported anaphylactic event reports in terms of, you know, a, a, a temporal proximity timeline. So that's the comparison there. But these aren't anaphylactic reactions that we're that I'm talking about. These are it's a plethora of different reactions. So. It, it's concerning. It's very concerning. Okay. And you mentioned also blindness. Yep. Now, are these uh, two, two uh, reactions that you were just talking about, are they temporary or permanent? Um, I can't answer that. I don't know. But, I mean, even if it's temporary blindness, uh, to me, that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's something that would deter me from getting injected with something, let me tell you. Okay, hold on right there. We have to go to a break. We're going to be right back, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. 
But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For a Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. All right, we are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And we're talking about what reports on the Veyer's website are revealing. And our guest is Dr. Jessica Rose. And she's here uh, talking to us about the findings, what she has found there. And uh, Dr. Rose, so uh, you were saying that uh, already within 24 hours, there have been so many reports of... Uh, of blindness, of anaphylaxis in children, almost immediately after they start, they they got this injection. Uh, We don't know if this is something that is uh, long-term or uh, permanent or temporary, but this is very, very alarming and should be. Uh, What else would you like to tell us about your findings? Well, I think it's important for everyone to know how atypical uh, the the patterns and signals that we're seeing in VERS, and again, I, I will repeat, that's what VERS is designed to do. It's an early, like, it's a warning signal. Uh, it's, it's a pharmacovigilance tool meant to detect these warning signals. So in the past 30, VERS has existed for 30 years, for those of you who don't know. And if you take a tally of all the adverse event reports for the past 30 years, and you, you add them up by year, and you plot them on a bar graph, and you average out the total number of adverse event counts for those 30 years, you're going to see about 39,000 per year. And this, this is for all vaccines that you can think of. This is for the U.S. So keep that number in mind, 39,000, Okay. When we look at the total adverse event count, the absolute count of VAERS reports in the context of the COVID-19 products, Moderna, Pfizer, and Janssen only, this excludes all the other data on the, the other vaccines, okay? The total adverse event count is now... 654,539, and this is only from the domestic data set. That represents a, an over 1,500% increase in reporting when compared to the past 30 years. Let that sink in. When you look at death, which we would assume is the least desirable adverse event that you can succumb to, not in my opinion, but most people think that, um, mm. it's even worse. The average number of people who die from, from vaccines over the past 30 years is 155, somewhere between 130 and 155. A year. We're at, yes, okay. for all vaccines combined. 
And when you count the number of deaths in VAERS in the domestic data set, we are now at 9,931. These are all conservative estimates, and they do not account for the underreporting factor, which is a thing. And this represents over 6,000% increase in deaths. And what everybody should know, you can probably figure it out, like these, these tools, these data sets are meant to provide stopgap mechanisms, like when we see death being reported at such high frequencies, it's time to stop the rollout of the products. That's what this is for. And the last time a vaccine was rolled out into humans and caused death, the stop number was 50, five, zero. And we're already at 9,931 deaths in the domestic data set. This doesn't account for this foreign data set, which I won't get into, but it's another data set. Does the CDC admit to this? Do they acknowledge this? No, they do not acknowledge this at all. And I've actually heard medical doctors, I've heard it come out of their mouths on in a video, unless it was a staged video, but it was in the context of a room full of concerned people. So I don't think it was staged. He actually said that there's not one death in VAERS that is the result of the injections. That's not a scientific thing to say. It's statistically improbable. It's it's an impossibility that none of them were caused. So it, it, it's it's <laughs> talk about false information or misinformation. Hmm. These things that I'm talking about in VAERS, these are just the numbers. I'm I'm just conveying what's being reported to VAERS. And that means they're not just data points, okay? These are people who've suffered usually in temporal proximity to getting an injection that is being spouted and touted as being safe and effective. And the fact that we're not stopping, we haven't stopped at any point in the last almost year and investigated, I mean, stopped the the rollout and investigated the myocarditis uh, events in in children, which we we've never seen rates like this before. They're way above background. I wrote a paper about this. Um, Guillain Barre, Bell's palsy, herpes zoster, death, emergency room visits, hospitalizations, spontaneous abortions. I mean, the list blindness. is over ten thousand and going strong. And blindness, you had mentioned. Oh, yeah. Blindness is in there as well. Mm-hmm. And tinnitus just about everything also. you can think of. Yeah. Hmm? And tinnitus, I understand people's hearing has been affected. Tinnitus. Oh, anything you can think of going wrong with human physiology is is going wrong. I've never nobody has ever seen anything like this. It's 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 more destructive. It seems that the, the syndrome associated with post injection as being revealed by many adverse event data sets around the world. It's so comprehensive. It's so systemic. I mean, the damage being done is irrefutable and, and it needs to be acknowledged. I mean, it's, it's the, the, we should have been getting a weekly or monthly reports and assessments on this data from the very beginning. Right. Where are these reports? Where are the safety assessments? Because if I can do this, I'm, I'm like a citizen scientist now. If I can do this, they can as well. 
So, yep, that, so, that answers part how, of the how question. How do you explain that uh, something that's experimental, you would think, one would think that the pharmaceutical companies and the CDC and the NIH, et cetera, et cetera, would want as much data and information as possible in order to uh, check the vaccine. In other words, like to hone it, to, to improve it, to tweak it so it is safe. And then they can uh, have even more data on their side to to claim that it's safe and effective and yet the people that i'm speaking to that have been injured by this vaccine or have had a family member who has died which they say is from the vaccine the 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 pharmaceutical companies don't even want to take their data they're not even interested in fact even that famous uh interview with a mother who had her child in a in a wheelchair and and Mm -hmm. couldn't and she was saying i'm trying to let people know and nobody interested. Can you explain that? Why is this data being suppressed and, and, and it's not interest, uh, they're, they're not interested in it? And I believe that you yourself wrote an article uh, using data, scientific data, and also it was censored in some form or fashion. You have two minutes yes. till the break. Well, it, it would affect their profits. That's why. Um, yeah, Marie de Garay, her mother has been really, really trying to uh, get the CDC and the FDA to call her back, and they won't. They're ignoring her. Marie de Garay is a, I think she's 13 now, and she's, uh, she's in a wheelchair with a feeding tube for life. She signed up to be in the Pfizer uh, clinical trial because she wanted to do her part, and now she's maimed for life. Um, yeah, their, their interest is not public health, and it's not in making a safe product. And by the way, these are not vaccines, and maybe we can talk about that in the next segment. Okay, so uh, we we do have another minute or so before we go. So why don't you just expound on that a little bit? I, I'd like to know how right. you, who are a scientist, and they're always talking about, listen to the science, listen to the science. And here you have yeah. data, a paper that you wrote, and why isn't it being published? Well, it was censored. Uh, there, there's, there's no two ways to say it. It, it was uh, fully accepted, fees paid, contract signed, uh, posted in PubMed, and, and then they decided that they weren't going to publish it because they said that it's their prerogative to do so. It's unheard of. The information in that paper, every single parent, pediatrician, doctor, uh, child needs to know and read 19 times above background rate reports of myocarditis in 15-year-old boys, 12 to 15-year-old children. People need to know that. And a lot of confirmatory studies are being published right now. And do you believe that the reason that they rejected your article after you said papers were signed, there were contracts, etc., that because of pressure from the pharmaceutical companies, maybe that they're they're advertisers and they would leave or, or what? Yes, it's called tortious interference. Uh, they're interfering with the publication uh, of the article. And I don't know what level it is. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't have anything, any problem with the journal or the, the, the people in charge of that, because I imagine that they're under some kind of horrendously enormous pressure. That would be my guess. I can only speculate at this point. Um, by, uh, you know, Elsevier. I, I, I don't know the details, but we hopefully will get this resolved quickly. 
Okay, and I want to remind all of our listeners that uh, when I interviewed uh, Dr. Harvey Risch from uh, from uh, Yale University, he was saying that also uh, you can't uh, even believe everything that you're reading in these medical publications today because they are supported by the pharmaceutical companies. You open up a magazine like this and you're going to see advertisements for drugs and things like that. So anyway, we're going to be right back. Don't go anywhere. Are you tired of political correctness and the fear that you might offend someone? I'm not afraid to offend you. Wow, look who's talking tough. One has to be tough to keep sane today. Hi, I'm Alan Skorsky. And I'm Bela Seabrow. And join us every Wednesday for The Definitive Wrap as we interview the most sought-after guests and expose progressive trends that masquerade as enlightenment but actually destroy our freedoms. We are the No Woke Zone, so buckle up for this exciting show. Buckling up, but I'm driving. (laughs) Sure, you can drive, but I'm the navigator. Tune in for the no-nonsense, the definitive rap show, every Wednesday on Israel News Talk Radio. All right, we are back at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and we are talking about what reports on the Vayers website are revealing. Now, again, this is scientific uh, data that we're giving you. Uh, we're giving you reports made by people like you and I, people who were uh, got, had some type of reaction or had it for their child, etc. And now they're they are giving the shot to five year olds. And I want to say here that. Don't think it's so easy even to submit a report to Bayer's. I understand that there have been doctors and nurses who have worked. In, I think it takes like at least a half an hour per report to fill in all the information they're asking for. And then when they go to submit it, not accepted. Not, it just it doesn't even go through. And then you just give up. So uh, our guest is Dr. Jessica Rose, and she's talking to us about the VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. And where would you like to take us now in this last segment? Um, well, I'd like to explain why these aren't vaccines, uh, for reals, for the people who, who, who are still calling this such. Um, they are, I, will, I call them biological injectable products. What we're dealing with here, like for those of you, again, who don't know, a, a conventional vaccine is a killed or attenuated pathogen. So you have uh, a pathogen can be a virus, for example. So viruses are made up of all sorts of different proteins. Uh, they have like a nucleocapsid. In the case of coronaviruses, they have spikes. So when your body, your immune system is introduced to this pathogen, it creates uh, a response in the context of all of this broad range of proteins. So uh, antibodies and T cells, the the responses are uh, multifold, uh, broad, we call it, and and long lasting because that's what the immune system does. We have these cells called memory cells, which remember a pathogen, which is the whole concept of vaccination. You introduce uh, a killed pathogen, For example, you mount an immune response in the context of not getting sick, such that when you meet the wild type pathogen or the the real pathogen in life, 
you mount a very quick immune response due to the uh, presence of memory cells and you don't get sick. Beautiful, beautiful concept. I am very pro-vaccination concept. But these products, the, the mRNA products specifically, are not uh, a vaccine. This is mRNA, which is messenger RNA, which is the coding template of proteins. And the coding template of uh, the protein at hand is the spike protein, which is cytotoxic. I, I'm going to interrupt you for a moment just because there's some background noise there. I'm just wondering if you can move someplace or. Yeah, I will. All right, I Sorry about the... that. There's a constant construct, construction nightmare surrounding me. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, no, no, don't be sorry. I'm glad you told me. Um, so these messenger RNAs are wrapped in a fat package called a lipid nanoparticle. And included in in those uh, lipid nanoparticles are something called cationic uh, lipids, which are highly, highly, highly toxic to human cells. So we're talking about a nasty fat bubble that carries the coating material for a cytotoxic protein. And the idea is to introduce the mRNA to cells in the delivered by these lipid nanoparticles such that the human cell creates the, uh, using the template, the mRNA template, creates the spike protein on its own using its own host cell machinery via ribosomes. So this is, uh, that's what these things are. And this has never, ever been done in the context of humans, in the context of a uh, so-called viral pathogen before. There is no long-term safety data. There's not even short-term safety data. And the efficacy data looks very, very bad right now. So anybody saying that these are either safe or effective vaccines is either completely misinformed or lying. All right. So you're establishing here, I just want to repeat this for our listeners, that this is not a vaccine. This is a technology and that instructs your body to produce spike proteins. And these spike proteins we're finding out are uh, having, making uh, adverse effects upon people, including blindness, including uh, anaphylaxis, including uh, all sorts of uh, paralysis uh, and nervous system functions, etc., um, and even death, God forbid. And uh, so now with all of this information that we have, we have like another five minutes or so, uh, unless there's something else you want to add here, what, what one, should one we be doing? I, yeah, yeah, I would like to add another thing. Um, vaccines are designed to be uh, like, a, they're intramuscularly delivered and the they're supposed to stay at the site of injection. These products do not because of the carriers, the lipid nanoparticles. Uh, it's been established now from a Freedom of Information Act request, which will lead into my next point, um, of a Japanese study that these lipid nanoparticles are widely biodistributed and they accumulate with the highest concentrations in the ovaries, which may or may not mean that these accumulation sites are the very sites where more spike protein is being produced. And we have zero idea what the effect of that will be. And it begs the question, 
maybe this is why so many women are reporting uh, disruptions in their menstrual cycles and spontaneous abortions and other fertility and female reproductive issues, because th this is another thing that you see in VARES. Uh, re female reproductive issues, uh, reports of adverse events are off the charts when you compare them to the past. And this brings me to the, the call to action. Okay, but you what know can what? You guys just do? before yeah. you do that, I, I just want to comment here and say that since you're saying and th that the data is showing that this is gathering in the ovaries and I believe for males it's the testes as well but uh, for, yeah. for women the ovaries you're born with your eggs and that's it you don't get to re you know keep making them throughout your life and this should be something that should concern parents that I don't want to uh, be an alarmist and 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 use scare tactics against you I just want you to think before you make your decision that if this indeed is settling in the ovaries and the ovaries is are the reproductive uh, system of your children, that if you want grandchildren later, it would be very wise for you to do your own research and figure out if, God forbid, this could make your children sterile, that they will not be able to have children. Do you want to you know, possibly do that to your child when we already do know today that there is uh, effective treatment for COVID and that 99.998% of children who get COVID recover from it without any treatment whatsoever. So is, is this, uh, this experimental concoction worth taking the chance that God forbid your child may not ever be able to have children. So this is something you need to consider and, uh, and do your research about. All right. Uh, so in the last uh, two and a half minutes, take it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm so glad you said that. Uh, this, this COVID thing doesn't affect kids. It doesn't. They have very robust immune systems. And, and besides the fact that there's zero point for that reason, to inject them, you might cause them harm, and it might be lifelong. We're, we're losing you, Jessica. It's going to potentially drive the emergence of variants. Oops, can you hear me? I do. I hear you now. Okay, and it's potentially driving the emergence of variants of concern, which, for those of you who don't know, these are more virulent strains or, or variants, which to date we've been lucky they don't affect kids so don't put these into kids it's it's a ridiculous idea uh i'm i'm really saying that as an immunologist as an epidemiologist as a human being as a woman i mean as as every person that i am don't do it there's no reason so the call to action um if you if you're thinking to yourself right now, well, I don't know, you know, she, she's saying this and it sounds like she's right, but I, I don't know. So that's precisely what I want people to start thinking. I want to shake you up a little bit so that you start asking, what if she's right? What if all these doctors and scientists who are being called, you know, misinformation spreaders are right because if this does irreparably damage you or your child, there's no compensation for you. There's no liability for the pharma companies. You are on your own. Hmm. So please go out there, double check what I've said, talk to your friends, talk to your doctor, 
And if your doctor is not open to having a discussion with you about the, the actual science, which is the process of discovery by asking questions and having them answering, censorship has nothing to do with the scientific process. Right. That has to do with dictators wanting one line of thought. Um, right. If you can't find a doctor or if your doctor doesn't want to have an open discussion, find a new doctor. I just want to say here that doctors work for a medical establishment, a hospital, a uh, health clinic, etc. And they're under orders. This is our policy. This is the standard procedure. Now go implement it. So you have to understand that as well. We're running out of time. Dr. Jessica Rose, thank you so much for coming on the show. We will post your information of your websites etc. on the page where the show is podcasted. And I want to thank you very much for all of your research that you're doing for revealing to us what is uh, going on in the Vayers website, uh, the reports going on there, and the fact that we need to really take responsibility when it comes to the future of our children to be even more careful than we are with ourselves. Thank you so much. Thank you and sorry for the noise disturbance. It's all good. The information is out, and you can always contact me tomorrow at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.